Welcome to Engage Arizona. I'm Kathy Herod. In this episode, we share a heartfelt narrative from Lauren Johnston, a story that reminds us of the profound harms of abortion in our current culture. And later, we are honored to present remarks from our keynote speaker, Tucker Carlson, straight from our CAP family dinner. Enjoy. Every life is sacred. Thank you. Every life is sacred. Every life is a gift. And every life deserves the chance to live. Those lyrics undergird Center for Arizona Policy's mission to protect precious unborn life and to support their mothers. Thank you for being with us tonight. CAP champions many critical issues, and we are not backing down on any of them. But tonight, we must, we cannot take our eyes off the tiny lives in the crosshairs of an emboldened abortion industry coming after our pro-life laws. An industry that sees its opportunity to grow its influence, power, and yes, bank account by victimizing women and their unborn babies. It's why we are here. It's why CAP exists, to expose the ugly business of abortion and to cut it off at every opportunity. This is, about, this is about saving every baby we can and sparing every woman the heartbreak and harms of abortion. This is about women like Lauren Johnston. Lauren, please come and join me on stage. Lauren, thank you for being here. Please share with us what happened with you when you saw firsthand the lives of abortion and what it does to a woman. I was super young, I was in a very toxic relationship, and we found ourselves pregnant. And he looked at me and he said, we're not doing this, we're not having this baby, we're going to Planned Parenthood, I'll pay for it, we're doing it. I'm like, doing what? And he's like, it's different now, you can take a pill, it's not a big deal, we're just taking care of it, okay? And I was scared, people pleasing, all those things. We went to Planned Parenthood, cold, dark, evil place, and it was awful. I went back by myself and I saw a doctor and she said, gave me one pill there, no facts, no help, no counseling, nothing. And um, she gave me another pill to take home the next day. That was the worst part. So I went back home to my mom's house and he left, he didn't give it, you know, anything. And I took the second pill and I was in the bathroom for it seemed like an eternity, weeping on the floor, crying, praying, asking God for help to make the pain stop, not just physically, but emotionally too, all alone. It was awful. And I can't even go in that bathroom now still to this day. And um, I hid that for 11 years. I kept it down and I dove into partying, anything, alcohol. I didn't care. I didn't want to deal with that emotion ever of my baby. But I just did that to my baby. And then my mom kept praying for me to go to this woman's retreat, and I had no idea about it, but she was like, Lauren, I really think you should go, you know, it's great. And I'm like, I have the secret, I can't tell anybody, I can't tell anybody. I went, and it was the day I told my mom my secret. And it was really hard, because she happened to be the director of Hands of Hope Pregnancy Center in Tucson, Arizona, and that's big. And she took me in, and she reminded me of God's love and grace and that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and that he's there. 
I took that with me and I didn't forgive myself. I couldn't forgive myself. Like, how could I do this to my baby? And I went to this retreat, it's called Deeper Still Retreat. And I learned about God's love again and healing. And I got rid of that shame and guilt. I gave it to God. And I'll get to see my baby in heaven. And God still loves me. He loves that baby. And he gave me another baby that I get to have in January. And my biggest thing is I want to share this story for women that felt just like I did. There is other hope out there. There is love. God loves you so much, and he loves your baby. Do not go into Planned Parenthood. It is awful. And that abortion pill needs to be banned forever. It is Satan. And I am not letting the enemy take over my life anymore through that because of God's love and grace and hope. Amen. Amen. So what, with your story, what is the main thing that you want other women to know? You've kind of said it already, but, you know, who are suffering in the aftermath of abortion. Because I know we always say we're concerned about women. Yeah. Walking into that abortion clinic is we are about her unborn child, and we love both. Mm-hmm. But what's the, you know, for everyone here, because there may be women here tonight that have not had healing mm-hmm. from their own abortion, or you have a loved one. What, what, what would be your final words to? Yeah. Final words were do not step foot into that Planned Parenthood. Find your local Christian pregnancy center. They will give you the tools, the facts, the facts, because there are no facts at Planned Parenthood, and they will lead you in the right direction for what you can do, because that abortion pill isn't just a pill. The damage it does internally to you and emotionally is so much worse than even the physical part. And that there is hope and that there is God and God loves you. Do not step foot and take that pill or an abortion. That's what I want to say. I feel very, very strongly about it. it took me a long time to get here. Amen. And you're going to have a baby girl. I'm going to have a baby girl in January. So God's redeeming love and healing. God bless you. Thank you for Thank sharing you, your story. Bless you. Give me a hug. Tucker Carlson spoke at the Cap Family Dinner in 2017, the very Saturday before he took over that primetime spot on Fox News. <laughs> now, after making headlines and raising our eyebrows on X, we always say X, formerly known as Twitter, Tucker is back. A man who openly challenges the cultural elites, Tucker's been called the most beloved and most polarizing media figure in America. Never accused of being woke, he has questioned the medical and political support of devastating transition drugs and surgery, the global economy, the government's handling of various public disasters, and the so-called well-established facts being propagated by the news media. Among other things, he is here tonight to speak about a scam perpetuated on Americans for decades, a horrific practice lionized by Hollywood, Washington, D.C., academia, and the so-called medical experts. Of course, I'm talking about the lie of abortion. Please welcome a man who has a way of revealing the irony of the obvious and speaking truth to the culture, Tucker Carlson. Thank you. There's also water down there. I love it. Thank you for having me. It was a different world last time I was here. <laughs> um, 
it was literally a different world. I, my views were completely different. Um, it's so funny. I was, as you were speaking, I was trying to remember what I thought about America in 2017. I was under the mistaken impression that these were political debates we were having, uh, when in fact they were theological. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for having me. I woke up this morning in Maine. It was 39 degrees. I wore a wool coat, taking my dogs out. Um, and then to come here where it's, I haven't seen the sunshine in over a month. We don't have uh, the sun in Maine, it's too far north. Um, so it's weird to be under its glare. Uh, anyway, thank you, and thank you, Lauren, for what you said. Ah, it actually made me cry. Um, and I'm 54, so I'm getting to that stage in uh, male middle age where you cry all the time. And your wife stops crying. Am I the only man to notice this? I've been with the same girl since she was 15, she's now 55. And I looked at her the other day, our son got married this summer, and I wept the entire time, like a girl. And I said to my wife, weren't, aren't, weren't you the one who, in charge of crying in our family? I think it's a hormonal thing. They get tougher, you get softer. Anyway, but that actually, yeah, that really made me sad because, you know, I could feel your sadness. And, and that really is the heart of abortion. It's destroying life. It's destroying a life and the lives around that life. And... Um, you know, it's one of those topics where you think abortion, it's like so far away, but then you think in your own life, how many people do I know who've been touched by it, who've had abortions um, or had loved ones have abortions? You know, a lot, a lot. Many, many, many people, many good people are implicated in this, in this crime. And, uh, and it's the foundational, it really is the foundational issue. You mentioned the you know, the trans stuff, which was a staple of cable news, and it, it wasn't even three years ago when we were talking about it. It was like, oh, how can you, they're part of the whatever alphabet community, you can't criticize them. But fundamentally, it's so stupid that really, you know, that didn't last long. I, mean, I remember getting hauled in before someone was like, I oh, know, that sounds insensitive. And I was like, really? Men can become women? That's like insane. No, you're right. And so actually, and I'm, you know, I'm not any more for it than I was the first day I heard it. It's monstrous, and it is, it's disfigurement, it's, it, it's, an, it's an attack really on God. Uh, it's usurping the powers of God, I think. Um, everything about it is evil. But it's still as a cultural matter, the trans stuff, it's not central to, to our culture, and abortion is, and that's kind of the truth of it. And that's one of the reasons you almost never hear anybody on abortion say the obvious, which is abortion destroys lives, because it does. You never hear that. And politicians show up and they're like, yeah, I'm pro-life. You know, and some of them are. By the way, I know some politicians who are sincerely pro-life, and they stick out because they're unusual. Most of them aren't. They just aren't. They think it's icky. There's a class divide around abortion. I grew up in La Jolla, California, since you're from Arizona. Of course, you're very familiar since you all spent the summer there uh, growing up. Uh, you're the zonies we made fun of uh, before we all left California and moved to Arizona. The joke was on us. But anyway, um, no, but I grew up in an affluent community and like the, you know, the one thing you would never do is criticize abortion because that's for like, you know, snake handler, evangelical people, people who don't wear ties to church. You know what I mean? Like it's just a lower caste thing. And that feeling still persists. And so criticizing abortion is deeply unfashionable even to this day. Um, and I think that's kind of the core problem, actually. I mean, I wish you Godspeed on this ballot initiative. Um, you said you would need a miracle to win. I, that's right, as far as I can tell, and I, and I am literally praying for a miracle. 
uh, for the state of Arizona and for the country. But the truth is public opinion is swinging in the wrong direction on that. And you see it in a bunch of these states where all of a sudden people are like, well, why shouldn't you have an abortion in the ninth month? Like, isn't that the mother's choice? And you wonder, how did that happen? And it's not, be well, it happened for a couple reasons. One is that very rich people love abortion. Why is that? Why would a billionaire fund, and many do, why would a billionaire fund an abortion campaign? Well, it's obvious if you think about it in theological terms, which are the correct terms, because they think they're God. That's why. Because they think they're God. And that's what abortion is. It's usurping the power of God, the God, the most basic power of all, which is the power over life and death. I'll decide when life starts and when it ends. That's a power that we don't possess, can never possess, but it's one they believe they do. So there's a lot of money going into pro-abortion propaganda. But the other reason that attitudes are changing is because people who oppose abortion, in my opinion, as one of them, and I, this is a criticism I would level up myself, aren't clear enough about how awful it is. There's kind of no upside at all for the child, obviously, but also for the mother, for the father, even if he's encouraging it. I mean, if you know people who've encouraged abortions or paid for, I went hunting with one two days ago, and who's my age, and who did that as a young man, and, and you know, didn't think about it, and it, it overshadowed his whole life. He's one of my closest friends. I heard the whole tear-jerking story as I was walking through the woods looking for rough grouse the other day. It's totally real, because taking a life, even if it seems like a minor thing at the time, is not something that you ever escape. It's something that you can be forgiven for, but it's not something that ever goes away. It overshadows your whole life. And we are too fearful of saying that, just clearly. I mean, leaving the ballot initiative aside and the whatever politicians you've won to your side or not, leave all that aside, the political process aside, all change begins by convincing people that something is true or something is false. And that is done with words. Words are the most important thing. In the beginning was the word. Words are the only thing that endure through time. It's the only thing we have from 3,000 years ago. The only reason we're assembled in this room in a common faith is because of the words that were written down millennia ago and that still succeed in changing the world. The word is the most important thing. Saying something out loud, holy be your name, the name, calling something what it is, naming it is the most powerful thing that there is in the universe, and I'm including nuclear weapons. It's the most powerful thing. And so that's where you start, is by saying forthrightly, without embarrassment, abortion destroys lives. No, I'm not for that, period. And I'm not gonna attack you for it. It's horrible, it's prima facie horrible, and anyone who's pretending it's not horrible is deluding himself. One of the reasons I know that the trans nonsense will end at a certain point is because when you say to someone, a man can become a woman, how does that work? It's just so stupid. <laughs> and things, anything that stupid will collapse under the weight of its own absurdity over time. Tell me how that works. Speak slowly so I can understand. I miss biology. That was back in my marijuana days. I, I missed the whole thing. How does a man become a, a woman? Like, what's the process by which that works? Well, gender and sex are different. Really, tell me how. It, it's too dumb. Abortion can be the same way. Abortion is killing. And, and I have to say, I'm, you know, my politics, as noted at the very outset, have changed a lot. I mean, dramatically. I, 
grew up in California and then from high school on in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I was telling someone tonight who was saying, you know, it's all a lie. And I said, yeah, well, well that's obvious. I, I didn't realize that until about five years ago or seven years ago or whenever Trump started running that it was all a lie because I lived in the middle of it. I mean, I bought all of it. I mean, I don't know. I knew, you know, everyone in Congress and my dad ran a federal agency and I just sort of thought the whole thing was on the level. I didn't know the Kennedy assassination was fake until about five years ago. I'm a little behind the curve on that. So it, things change, you know, a lot as the evidence changes. But the one thing in my life that I've always believed is that abortion is wrong and partly for personal reasons. My grandmother was 15 and didn't have an abortion. Um, I don't think we ever found out who the father was. She never said, and my father grew up in an orphanage. He's 82, I'm visiting him on Tuesday. Um, and I don't, you know, I think in some ways he'll never stop feeling sad about that. I mean, it was painful. Remember they used to say, you know, we need abortion because it's too painful for babies to have babies. Well, you know, we don't need abortion, but it is painful, that's just true. And anyone who says otherwise, and I don't care how much support you get from the good people who man the crisis pregnancy centers, it's, it's really sad. But it's not as sad as killing your child. And I wouldn't be here if that were allowed in 1941. So I always knew that. And that was the one non-negotiable we had with our children. We never lectured them about politics. My wife is not political at all, hates politics. She's way too right-wing for politics, doesn't want to hear about it. <laughs> and so we never sat at the dinner table and said, you know, there's this bill, you know, who's going to be speaker or whatever, speaker, you know, okay. I don't care, just for the record. Sorry, I know Mr. Gostar's here, who I, who I love, but I don't work there, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, we never talked about that. The only non-negotiable in my family was, we're pro-life. Not because we're great people, we're not great people. Just wanna be clear. We're not pro-life because we're more virtuous than our neighbors, we probably aren't. We're just pro-life because for all of our faults, we're not gonna kill kids. Like, we, we have a line. And like, killing children is our line. And so you can have whatever views you want about any topic there is, except that one. We are pro-life, we don't support anyone who is not pro-life for office. Doesn't mean we can't be friends with them, we're not voting for them, we're not sending them money, period. We are one issue voters. And my wife and I both felt that way and still feel that way and I think time has, if anything, made us feel even more strongly about it. Because if you are willing to say that, everything else kind of falls into place around it. Because what are you saying? One, you're saying, I don't have the power to make that decision because I'm not God. And all wisdom flows from that admission. That is basically what AA teaches. That's what all decent people recognize, because that's the road to decency and wisdom, is recognizing that you are not God. And by the way, all bad decisions are made out of hubris, in my opinion. When you start to mistake yourself for Jesus, that's when things go really wrong. That's when a lot of people die, for real. That's when you enter wars you can't win or start programs that actually have counterproductive results or whatever. When you overstate your own power, your own ability to foresee the future, when you imagine that somehow there are no unintended consequences because you've gamed it all out, what are you really saying? I'm God. And nothing makes that statement more clearly than reserving the right for yourself to kill someone except in self-defense. That's just true. By the way, that's not our religion. Our religion is a religion of forgiveness. There's no grudge holding in Christianity, that's not allowed. We are the religion that forgives people, that cares about people, period. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's our religion. So if you're the religion who's suddenly like, well, it's okay to kill inconvenient people, 
That's just not Christianity. And so I cannot, it's really shocking for me to think that there are any so-called Christian churches in the United States that aren't on the barricades on this question. Every one of them should be. And not just the weird independent snake handler churches, not just the Catholic church, but every church, including my church, my former church, the Episcopal church. Thank you for listening to Engage Arizona. This has been part one of Tucker Carlson's speech given at our CAP family dinner. Don't miss part two, which will be released in a few weeks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and subscribe and leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcast platform. Don't forget to share with family and friends. And if you would like to learn more, please visit our website at azpolicy.org.